Hello, and welcome to Introducing Me. I'm your host, Sarah. I started this podcast to get to know other people and lifestyles while discovering more about myself. Each episode, I'll give a new guest a chance to discuss their background, culture, interests, or whatever they want to talk about to help increase all of our own worldviews. Today, I would like to introduce you to John. John grew up in central Pennsylvania and was very active in Boy Scouts. He left the rural life for Washington, D.C. after undergraduate And since he has been able to embrace his sexuality, and it's been great knowing John, Uh, we went to undergrad together, so I'm super appreciative of him being here on the podcast today to share a little bit more about his life. So John, thank you so much. Why don't you go ahead and tell the audience a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, sure. Thank you for the introduction. It's probably the best way I've ever been introed in my life. (laughs) Because I feel like I'm a movie star now. Uh, but yeah, so you hit the nail on the head. Uh, you know, coming from Central PA down to Washington D.C. right after undergrad, which would have been in 2015. So I've been down here in the nation's capital for about seven and a half years at this point. And um, part of the reason why I came down here was actually through through Scouts. Uh, so my my involvement was a bit more intensive, or yeah, a bit more intensive than just on the local level. I got involved within the Order of the Arrow, which is the National Honor Society of Scouting. And within that, they've got different levels. And I was able to ascend up to the national uh, national level, where I became the national president of the Order of the Arrow. So what does that mean? Essentially, I represented about like 600,000 Order of the Arrow members directly, and then also 1.2 million scouts and scouters across the country, and also around the world with a few military bases. With those, with the role, I had a, a few different roles responsibilities. One was to be on the national executive board of the BSA. The national executive board is the overarching governing body for the Boy Scouts of America. So this is again across the nation. At the time in 2012, when I was elected, uh, the volunteer president was Rex Tillerson. He was the former CEO of ExxonMobil and the former Secretary of State. And the professional, the professional is the one who is on the payroll, the BSA, it's their, their day-to-day job, was Bob Mazuka. And as you can imagine, um, 20, 2012, that's still when uh, the BSA did not allow gay youth to be in the program. So me being, uh, being closeted definitely made it uh, an interesting experience. And being a rural PA kind of compounded. And it wasn't until moving down a... Uh, moving out, moving to DC, that was really able to to come into my own and it took me like what, seven years now to actually be confident in myself, understand who I am and the blend kind of multiple facets of my life. I have my scouting life, I have my, my Susquehanna life, my undergraduate uh, institution, I had a central PA life, I had my DC life, I had a gay life. So everything felt very segmented and it took a lot of Ooh, a lot of a lot of stress and a lot of strife and a lot of internal and external conflict to kind of bring those pieces together. And scouting definitely helped me. Definitely in the in the past, not helped me quite as much. It probably inhibited me from growing quicker. That said, a lot of the friends I made in the program who are either either identify as uh, lesbian, gay, straight, transgender, bisexual. Uh, have definitely helped me out to become homie in my own. So we all went through a shared experience, and so that's the yeah, because that's that's the main the main gist of it. 
So I'm curious to know when you first started Boy Scouts, did you ever think it was going to be such a big part of your life and or that you would then get to the rank you were at in a national level? Oh, no, definitely not. So the the fun story of why I suck with Scouts, my parents had a rule that I had to either do, had to do something outside of school, preferably a sport or something that got me out of doors. And when I was a little kid, uh, I was doing a, what was it, b-ball, which is right after t-ball. So it's probably middle school, elementary to middle school. So I was doing that and I had scouts. And then my parents were like, okay, well, I'm like, I hate both because I was a little bit of a little stinker as a kid. <laughs> and they're like, you have to choose one. And I ended up going with boy scouts because the baseball uniform felt weird like it didn't fit well so i was like all right let's go to boy scouts and so <laughs> or cub scouts so i did that and oh man i was so shy and quiet and awkward more awkward than i am now but now you can't shut me up in the going through the program i never imagined one being any kind of leadership position whatsoever but there was one one summer I, yes, I was, uh, I was going to camp. I was a camper and uh, the scout leader had me lead uh, us to the parade field, which is where we line up you know, for attendance and go, going for dinner and lunch. And I somehow did it. I'm like, also oh, I always get homesick at summer camp. So like so much that my dad or mom had to drive out halfway through the week for five days and they did it multiple times. And I realized that was like an hour and a half drive each time. So I got to give them credit both credit for <laughs> making the trip out for me. And then, yeah, after that experience of leading the group, I felt more confident. And then I got more, I became a camp counselor the next year, or when I was 16, yeah, 16. I became a camp counselor and got more involved in a, the Order of the Arrow, which again is the National Honor Society of Scouting. And that was really my, I don't know, the people gave me an outlet to be Give me an outlet to try new things like play an event. I love the the showmanship. They had some cool ceremonies that happened. Um, I don't know. I just got really got into it and it made me feel well more welcomed and, and comfortable. Uh, but no, I almost did not get my Eagle Scout. I had the whole council say like, no, John, just do it. Get it done. I got it on May 20, maybe like May 26th or 7th. And you have to do it before your 18th birthday. My birthday is June 18th. So I finished everything. So I was like, what, like a month away from not, not getting it. So no, I did not imagine getting past the local level, let alone to the, the national level. And so typically, I don't actually know if this is really typical, but at least the way I see Boy Scouts is typically after like an Eagle project or after graduating high school, people tend to not be as involved until say maybe like they're a dad or a parent who then like has a child going through boy scouts so what was it like then going to college like you were in this national role but college doesn't necessarily like equal boy scouts per se <laughs> yeah no that is a oof, that was a great question and you you've hit a and hit the nail on the head with part of the I think the factor is not really as I think the old stigma and might still ring true is that scouts is not cool. Also now it's called scouts BSA. I'll to like correct myself. So it's just scouts to integrate with male and female. Uh, but yeah, so going through that experience, uh, I'm trying to think how the best to describe it. 
So if you are correct. Most people after the Eagle Scout, they take a break, go to college. They're not as involved. And so there's a gap. But with me, so the Order of the Air extended their youth membership requirement. When it was up until 21. After 21, you're an adult. Whereas within the scouting program, being an adult is 18. So there is some, they kind of help retain folks in that age range. So when I was not at not at college, uh, I was with people like my my demographic. Like I loved it uh, that year. So 2012 was what our freshman year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, our freshman year. So I yeah I got elected December 31st of 2011. So yeah, that entire year I was probably I was gone traveling almost every weekend and sometimes longer throughout the summer. So I was with people who are definitely like me in that, like when I say like me, they were in scouts, kind of the same age, in the same environment. For us, it was normal. I got to travel some cool places. Um, not, I would say not as cool, but more, I mean, like a small town called America's, America's Georgia, but all the way to DC, to Germany. So doing all this really cool stuff over here in scouting. Then I come back during the week to be a student at Susquehanna. <laughs> and I, I was like, oh, well, I'm back home and I won't, I won't uh, discredit anything about Central. Well, I've got my feelings about Central PA, but like coming back from that kind of like jet sitting lifestyle to rural PA Susquehanna, where no one really knew what I was doing. Like I, I think you, like as a close friend, had a better idea of what was going on, but the general populace did not. <laughs> and so, like I would come back to campus during the week. And it's kind of hard to maintain friendships when you're gone every weekend. So like I was doing classwork, I was working three or four part-time jobs. Uh, yeah, people looked at me like, oh yeah, you're that scout guy who travels or like is never around. So the, yeah, it's definitely a, the dichotomy was, it was jarring at first. And when I was done with my term, I remember coming back, I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm just sitting here. But I don't know if that answers the question, but yeah, it was, it was interesting. It was definitely interesting. Yeah, yeah, it does. And now that you're not still in Central PA, like the original chapter, charter, all of that that you were involved in, are you still involved in Scouts? I am. So I do a very, uh, it's called, the role is called a unit commissioner. So I am the intermediary between the Scout troop and the local district slash council. So I mainly work with adults right now. And for me, I don't do a whole lot in the day-to-day of it. I mainly help field questions from scout leaders. Um, but given my, given where I am professionally and in life, it allows me the flexibility to get back just a little bit to be, to be connected. But I'm, not, I'm definitely not as involved as I used to be. And I, I could see a life where I am more involved, but I'm not... I don't think I'm quite quite there yet. That makes sense. And would you be willing to share a little bit about the history of scouting with things such as non-straight people or it now being Scouts BSA, like all of that and what your experience was because it happened like during your time? Yep, sure did. Uh, <laughs> So I don't know the exact t- 
timeline of events. So when I, so 2012 is when uh, I would have been the national president. And uh, again, part of that role is I was on the national executive board. And uh, around, uh, around that time is when uh, I think they announced that they were going to have a national vote on whether or not to allow gay youth, and I think gay adults in the program, to allow, to allow them to be out. So essentially what that means is if I told my scout leader or someone with my local council that I was gay, as it stood when I was a national president, they could have kicked me out. They could have taken my uniform away, all the work that I had done. Um, and uh, that is not an uncommon not an uncommon occurrence. I know folks who are from my age or only a few years older that they were kicked out. And uh, they were kicked out. They were definitely bullied for it. It was not not a pleasant situation by any means. Uh, and I, so me being in that position on the national level, I remember being at one of the national meetings down in Dallas, Texas, which is where the then BSA, now Scouts BSA, or Scouts USA, whatever it is, uh, they met with the Don Texas had the national meeting, and so they had members from all across the country. So this is from like California to like rural PA to DC to Alabama, Florida, the Northeast and Midwest. All of the local council leaders come down, and they essentially debated whether or not to allow gay youth or gay adults in. And I remember sitting in the room and hearing people. Uh, some were like, hey, we need to do this. This is the right thing. Like we should allow, like it shouldn't matter what your sexuality or sexual sexual orientation is. And then there are other people who were very much not in favor of it. Uh, I remember one scout leader, one like local council leader, scout executive, essentially said, if we do this, it will ruin the program. We're all going to hell. This, These like scum of the earth should not be allowed be allowed in and as you can imagine being a I, w I don't know if i knew i was gay at the time i definitely had an inclination but i definitely put me more more back in the closet and did not help my, my my development and then so following that my so my year i was a conference president the conference is the national or the arrow conference which is held every three to four years and uh, mine was at Michigan State University. It's a high-profile event. For context, we had, I think, my like seven thousand people in attendance, and so we were told explicitly, like, do not talk about this. Do not engage. If you hear anything about, there was an organization. I think it's still around. Yeah, it's definitely still around. Called Scouts for Equality, who are like a big grassroots push for the BSA to allow queer youth and adults in. Like, don't talk to them. If the media asks you a question. Just ignore it. Don't mention it in any meetings. So again, as you can imagine, me being a, <laughs> me being, I, I do identify as gay, so me being a gay, gay scout, maybe not realizing at the time, it did not allow me to, like in my brain, I was like, all right, this is bad. I have to follow them. I was also like, what, 18? Yeah, I think just turned 18 that summer, going on 19. So still young enough and still in that central PA rural mindset that I had to do what I was told. And so that was 2012. I think 2013 is when they voted and they did vote in favor of allowing gay youth in the program. And then I think 2015 
they allowed Gay Dalton. And then 2018 or 19, they allowed transgender youth in. And then it was what, 20, was it 2019 or 2020? I would have to look it up. They allowed uh, females to be, to be in the BSA as a scout. There's already the venturing program, but this is the first time that someone identified as female could become an Eagle Scout, which is pretty groundbreaking. And I remember being in meetings within or the area, like, oh, this is impossible. Like, we have to change everything around. What's going to happen? And I, I don't, I don't remember where I stood at the time, but thinking about it, I'm like, wait, we have the venturing program that's co-ed already. We have Sea Scouts that's co-ed. Like, what, what's the problem? And so, uh, I don't really know what happened in between on the actual like voting side and culture. That's when I took my my long break. But this past year, actually, no, this year, 2020, 2022, there was another National Order of the Arrow conference. And out of nowhere, I randomly get a, a message from a, a friend of mine who he was someone that was actually kicked out when he was a youth for being gay. He's like, hey, we're going to have this thing called Arrow Pride. We'd love to have you contribute. If you don't mind, could we have a, a profile of you for the wall? I was like, yeah, sure, like, why not? And I did have a weird moment. I was like, wow, this is going to be the first time that people who I don't know are going to see me as like, oh, John is gay. And like in a scouting sense. So it was weird. It was like a, kind of like a terrifying moment, but then I got over it. And I once I got over it, I'm like, you know what? I've been so far removed. If I am going to continue to grow and be comfortable with myself, this has to be a step I want to take. And I, so I did. And then out of nowhere, someone I knew from my conference, when I say out of nowhere, during the actual conference that was down at, I think the University of Tennessee, they asked like, hey, could you and your officers from 2012 come back for a webinar? We'd love to hear your experience from 10 years ago. So I like, yeah, sure, why not? Hopped on, saw some of my officers, which out of the six of us, I think all but to identify somewhere within like either gay bisexual like on that on that side so there were a lot of a lot of a lot of lgbtq folks on the the national level but one of the questions they asked was like hey what what was the big difference now than it was from 2012 i was like well first of all this would never happen like there would never be a whole like era pride there wouldn't be a whole lounge set up we could not talk about this so it's really cool to have have an environment where like this is now like it was normal. Like this is becoming uh, a normalized part of the conference, and I love the initiative and uh, all the work that people who were a few folks from my my year, some older, some even younger, and also there were both men and women running the webinar, which I thought was really cool. And granted, I'm only 29 years old. I'm really not that old in the grand scheme of things, but I was like, oh, back in my day, we had to do this. So yeah, the I know it's a long long answer but short version a lot a lot has changed and i am very happy to see that our scouts bsa has grown and is now getting with the times and allowing the benefits i reaped as a kid to be for everyone that wants to be involved yeah and it is great to see like while it took time like it has happened it is like the situation now like it is reality um so i think that's really important now you talked about, of course, back in 2012, you know, not necessarily knowing you were gay, like hearing people being like, yeah, 
quote unquote, they don't belong. Um, so what was it like for you outside of scouts to then coming to terms with your sexuality? (laughs) Uh, so I think I probably start, I'd started to know during undergrad towards the end yeah, towards the end, probably junior, senior year, I had a, like, I think I had my first true gay experience. I'm like, all right, this is not just a phase. Like, this is an emotional connection. And it, it was not the most positive, but also can't blame, I can't blame myself or the other person. Uh, like, being that young, both being closeted, there's no, it's just, unfortunately, the nature of the game. So coming to terms with my sexuality, it really happened when I came came to DC. And uh, that's when I started to, uh, oh man, like coming down here, not only, so DC is one of, I think DC has the highest percentage of people who identify as LGBTQ or on, a, like on, I don't know call it, like on, like identify as not, not straight, not heterosexual, it's like eight or 10% at this point. Uh, it's also a very liberal city. Uh, liberal as in politically leaning. And so when I came down from central PA, I still had my kind of like indoctrinated conservative mindset. And then I would go on dates with people or yeah, oh neat people <laughs> and we're sort of talking and they'd be like, oh wait, this I'm like, yeah, like I don't know. Like I like at the time I come from I'm like, yeah, like probably conservative, like middle ground. Like, oh, how dare you? Like that's awful. And so I had to battle with that because I'm realizing that most of the guys down here, and again, I can only speak on behalf of my my experience as a gay man and uh, as a cisgender white gay man as well, which is definitely probably different than other folks. Um, but yeah, like I had that. I'm trying to figure out like who I am. Like, wait, do I believe in this? Like, am I actually like gay? Like, I was getting like this is a new thing. I have some really bad experiences, both just like meeting people, uh, and I would come back. Like I would come back and see my family and I still had to kind of had to like hide myself. So I had my own little world, had my DC world and I had my central PA world. And there were, there was no real overlap or connection. But then I started, as I learned more about myself, I'm like, wait, I don't really believe in these, these Republican conservative views. And so I come back to my family. And of course me, who has a tendency to be a little boisterous in my opinions, may have gotten got some conflicts and it, it definitely it was a pretty tumultuous rough time i won't call it dark but it definitely wasn't looking back wasn't happy i wasn't the healthiest either like i did not gain a lot of weight but i wasn't working out i felt awful i was sick all the time uh i was stressed and i started dating someone which would have been in like 2015 or 16 and that's when i finally came out to my parents and uh, i uh, Send a text, which apparently I didn't think was they didn't think was most appropriate. But my mom definitely knew I was gay. We had a bit of a conversation. But even I think when I told her, it was like, "Hey, don't worry. Like, I still like girls. Like, you know, maybe I'm bisexual, but like, I don't worry about it." She's like, "Hey, you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to justify it to me." And they were ultimately fairly okay with it. And uh, but then I found out they were not completely okay with it in the moment. But overall, very supportive. But yeah, I was I dated someone for about three and a half, four years that I really wasn't 
I was getting more comfortable with myself, but they kind of added on to the the toxicity that I experienced. There was not, I didn't really grow as a person. I was still struggling financially, getting a job that paid well enough. Um, like I, I was doing grad school plus my full-time job plus a part-time job. And then I moved in, I helped save some money, but I was still in a very, a pretty bad place until about actually last year, 20, 2021, also COVID did not help out, like being stuck inside. And I was hanging out with people that I didn't really enjoy. And I think that was part of me thinking, oh, this is the way. I have to be like this. I have to do that. When I broke up with the person I was dating, it was a definitely a rough time. But I've grown more probably in the past year and a half where I'm like, wait a second. Like I, I can be myself. Like I can still be from Central PA and live in D.C. And I can still have my, I'm definitely now a Democrat and more like moderate liberal views. And I can have that discussion with my parents in a way that I don't have to be a complete jerk about it, per se. Sometimes it's warranted, but not all the time. <laughs> like I can still do that, but I can still come down here and still have my like I have like Pennsylvania paraphernalia all over. I can still have that at hometown pride. And once I realized that, I started meeting really good people. I made some really solid friends who are not focused on the superficial part of life i'm now dating someone who's really great who has gone through their own journey and has helped me even myself out a little bit going to therapy as well to help go through events that were looking back objectively traumatic like the fact that 10 years ago i was being told it's not okay to be gay it's not okay to be a gay scout and then i ended up taking yeah like a seven almost a seven year break and i am certainly in the process that but not let it necessarily be a negative, but more of a like, hey, I got through that. I'm becoming my own. Yes, it was not a great experience, but I want to ensure that no one else has to go through that, at least on the local level. So if I can do something to not make someone feel like that, I will go out of my way to do it. Yeah. And it is good to hear about all the growth you've experienced and how you've come such a far way in even just 10 years. So I'm wondering, with all of this growth, you know, you're obviously like, it seems like you're happier, you're more comfortable. Do you think you've at all like changed? Oh, absolutely. Yep. And I, uh, I think, well, no, I think I've, yes, short version. Yes, I have changed, but not, I don't think completely. I have not become a new person. I um I made a joke with my my parents when I went back last year. My mom was like, "Oh, you're always gonna be my my little Johnners to me, and like you're always gonna be the same person." I was like, well, I hate to break it to you, mom, but fourteen year old John's skills are not gonna pay twenty nine year old John's bills. So I've definitely like changed in my I think I've changed in the sense that I am more confident and comfortable with myself. What I don't think has changed is the like the intrinsic values that I hold and uh, how I've approached life. I think it's always been there. It's kind of like peeling away. I think an onion is a common metaphor. Like you're kind of like slowly taking the levels away and on the outside, or maybe like a, like a diamond in the rough or something like you're mining three, like all this like nonsense and crap on the outside. But like once you finally get through at the core, there is, there was a diamond. So I think that is how I probably picture or imagine kind of, we call it paint the picture of 
yes, I did change because I've grown up and I've become an adult and confident in myself, but I haven't really changed overall as a person. And if I have, maybe you can, maybe you can tell me like, like John, you've, you've completely changed. Like you're not the same person ever, but I, I think looking at the friends I have made recently or in the year and a half or the past year and a half that I've been on my own and in a better place and have gone through like the whole journey. I think you would get along with them. Like they're good people. And I, like a few have met my, have met my dad and they like, or he likes them, which he hates everyone. So I'm going to take that as a, maybe not change fully, but yeah, a little bit. And I look forward and I hope I keep kind of growing and adapting. I don't want to be, 45 i mean the same mess that i am now like i'm definitely in a, in a better place but i i don't want to i want to keep improving and keep getting better and keep becoming happier with that yeah and and having that personal growth is so important i think well like one of the reasons i asked that question was you know even from that negativity of 10 years ago of you know if we allow gay scouts then we're going to be like, everyone's going to hell and everything's going to go to the wayside. <laughs> so, but it's not like you being gay changed. Like you didn't do a full 180. Like, yeah, you're happier, but that's a good thing. Yep, exactly. And I, that's a really good point too, that you bring up. It's, you're right. Like when someone comes out, they don't really change. Like, yeah, they might not be dating the partner who identifies as the opposite gender opposite sex but i still have those scouting values within me and a lot of the skills i learned a lot of the skills a lot of the values i learned from scouting program along with friends like we are still in contact and i still believe i still believe in the scouting program that it is it is good and those who go through it are good and i i think the the perception of someone whether it be like gay, lesbian, trans, bisexual, queer, or just different from the status quo of what the BSA used to be versus now as being scouts. Uh, you're right. Like when you can be yourself, you can still be yourself and like be a scout. Like you can be yourself and live in DC. Like you can be yourself and live in central PA. And I, I think when people start to realize that like just being happy, yes, it's a choice, but it's also influenced by the culture and society around you. And if the people around you don't want you to be happy, you have two options. Either don't be happy, move, or just kind of like, I don't know, give up. Just kind of like do your thing. And so, yeah, I think you're right. That That's probably the biggest, yeah, you're right. We're not all going to hell. I mean, it's hot outside, but it's not like it. <laughs> no one. The BSA is going through its issues, and I... As much as I love the program, they also made they made their choice, and uh, like they made it. Like any business, any person, I've made mine, and so if, I hope the program continues on. But I I hope if it does, it'll learn from uh, its past, and I hope the people who were not as supportive as a fully inclusive program will realize, like, hey, we we caused this. Like we are the ones who ultimately led to the harm in the long run. I don't want them to be punished by any means, but I want them to have a, a moment of like, ah, uh, you know what? I did contribute to this. Like, take some ownership with it. Like, I've taken ownership with my mistakes <laughs> and nonsense that I've done. <laughs> sometimes for the good, sometimes for the bad. Yes. Now, since you are, you know, kind of on the other side of things, happier, 
open with your sexuality. Um, you know, you mentioned kind of the first instance with your parents. Did you or have you had any issues with either scouting friends, central PA people, anyone really with the fact that you're gay? Uh, so within the scouting friend group or within my scouting community, I have a lot of close friends who are not from central PA who are scouts, some that live in DC, most of the ones I met on the national level. And most of them do identify as queer or, or not like not as straight. And then there's some who are not, but we're pretty close. But the ones that I grew up with, I don't, I'm assuming they know at this point, but I've not been in contact with them. Uh, Family-wise, I don't, I haven't had any serious backlash to me, like out, like outwardly. I did find out through through family members when I came out. My mom was pretty upset, and it I think was a, I don't think it was necessarily necessarily me being gay, but the fact that I didn't feel comfortable enough to tell her sooner, or that I tried to like, hide it. But she definitely knew sooner anyway. So I think outwardly, not really. Uh, there was actually, there have been a few, uh, not a few times, like probably once or twice while living here, I have had a random slang thrown my way. But again, DC is also a very like queer, queer-friendly city. That if someone does that, they are the minority, they're not the majority. So I, when I hear it, it's I don't really take too much offense to it. That said... When I go back to Central PA, I definitely, I think I kind of revert back. Like my mannerisms might not be as, uh, they might not be as my normal self. I, I think someone told me like my voice got lower, which is pretty common where like right now talking to you, I'm not, like I can be, I can be my goofy self. I can talk quickly and like have a slight lisp every once in a while. But when I go back to PA, I definitely have to put on a more heterosexual masculine persona, I think. And it's not, I don't do it on purpose. I think it's just kind of like, it's like it's just ingrained in me and just going back out. So I think short answer is not that I know of. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure there have been, have been some thoughts and feelings, especially with family but overall, living here has made it a lot easier. I don't think I would have the same experience if I stayed in rural central PA. I think rural central PA is getting getting there, like getting better, and not, when I say better is in, it's not really an issue. No one's gonna go out and just like beat someone up or have a, uh, a hate crime committed, but it's not quite like down here where it's very normalized and I can be, like I am probably, the most boring person to walk around. Like I carry my kayak over to the the water here. No one cared. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so do you think like looking forward to the future that DC will be like home for you? Or is it that you might just be looking for more queer friendly places to live that someplace like Central PA, at least as it is now, isn't somewhere where you would go to live permanently? Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> and I, I say that not in a bad way. I look at the lifestyle and I think, wait, let me correct that. Not right now. The lifestyle that I enjoy 
is definitely city centric or at least close to a city uh so like i love i don't know if dc is gonna be my my forever home like i miss having a yard i miss greenery i miss having the quiet i hate humidity like every summer here i hate it like i don't know dc is my longest running toxic relationship and it just like keeps coming back i think someone someone's like oh yeah like oh you don't know dc like i do like no i know it and it's awful and it's disgusting no it's not disgusting it's disgustingly hot and humid so the short answer i don't know if dc is my forever home but i've been here like i said seven and a half years i don't know if i could go somewhere else then and be like i've got friends i've got roots here i've got a good foundation and uh, it's what i know also the work here like the work that i do is very very dc focused and centric so it's hard to get that elsewhere uh that said if i were to move i would uh, probably do like denver or seattle another city that and also most cities majority cities in the u.s do lean more queer gay friendly than rural areas not all but like the majority do and if i were to go back to pennsylvania i could maybe do philly or pittsburgh and if i do stay in a city if i do stay in dc i think what i would envision is things here are really expensive so i don't know if i would try to buy a place here eventually or what i could do or might do is get like a small cabin up in maybe like like pennsylvania or west virginia I can kind of get the best of both worlds. I can go out, I can rent it out. So I think short answer is no, I would not live there permanently right now at this point in time. But there are a lot of parts of it that I miss that I would like to have a, I would like to find a way to have the best of both worlds at some point. Yeah. Now, are you leaving your apartment for work or are you like fully remote? So right now I've been fully remote, oh man, the past, what, three years? I have a... A new project. I know. I just. I realize that. I. Uh, so right now, I don't really leave my apartment for work. I have a new project that will likely require me to go either into the office or into the client site. But for me, my office is a seven-minute walk away, and then my client site is like a fifteen-minute walk away. So it's not. It's not too far. So still very convenient in terms of like the city living where you are and it works. Yep, exactly. And where I live in Southwest, it's by the waterfront, Metro South, by the wharf. It is definitely built up, but it's a little bit quieter than some parts of the city that for me, it's kind of like a, almost like a small town feel. Like I'll see people that I I don't know them, but I recognize them on the street. Like I might wave or it provides me a, a level of comfort just that i know the people i know the environment um but living on the, the metro stop i can very quickly go up to the going out area like u street shaw dupont like tonight i'm planning to go to a a bar that does show tunes so i'll do musicals and uh like disney songs and people sing along so i might do that but yeah i'm still accessible but i do come back to the quiet mm-hmm. now you mentioned earlier that like your past relationship and the friends that surrounded that relationship were pretty toxic. And Oof, yeah. so I'm curious because like, yes, there's a larger queer population in DC. Now you're kind of in a new section of that population that is much more 
better and friendly, less toxic. So do you find, you know, there's like the joke, like one queer person knows every queer person. Like, do, <laughs> do you like, obviously that's not the case. Um, do you think that the population in DC is growing for queer people and that there are like communities within the community? Ooh, that is so yes to both. So the, uh, there are definitely, there's definitely like a core group of people. And again, me being here long enough now, there's very few people that, that stick around after three or four years. It's very, a very transient city. But uh, the person I'm currently dating will like be out at a, at a bar or restaurant and like, oh, yep, want to date with them. Like, oh, yep, me too. Like, it is a, still a very incestuous, close knit group of people. Uh, not close knit, very like a small pool of like folks who, to me and the date that said i the city is growing and it does change like people come in for work people go out for work it's like a so there's some newness to it so yes there's definitely a lot of overlap uh i don't know a lot of like on instagram we call them like the the instagays in the city that i may not know them but we all kind of know of them like of them also they may know of me in the same same life but i'm not that cool i'm not that popular like my group of friends were kind of the periphery of everything, but there's core groups. You've got the kind of the sport, the sport gays, like the dodgeball team, the kickball team. Uh, I did cornhole for a little bit, but that was mainly that's like female, like queer uh, dominant, which is really cool. Like I have to meet meet new people, and that's what I like to do. Uh, so I think there are pockets of folks that I don't know, and I met. Like I usually I meet people either through like various uh, we'll call them meetup apps, and I've made friends that have been like very platonic, great people, or like at least my kind of people. I, mean, I could be awful as well, but they're my <laughs> level of awful, as I like to say. <laughs> uh, but then I've also met people like through friends of friends, and it's been pretty cool. Where my friends that I have met and made are meeting my other friends, so we're now kind of like we're slowly creating like a group which is kind of cool so the like so again short answer is yep there are definitely i don't know every queer person in the city but the whole which i kind of i love that joke because it's both it's like those memes that pop up like oh he's gay do you know him but uh, you just assume that i'm gay that i know him and then i'm like oh yeah nope i know him. <laughs> um that does happen it is a i want to call it the most accurate stereotype i would definitely not throw it around but so yeah, there are a pool of people who are like that. But no, there are people. If I have met the other ones that are not that are not toxic or as bad, I realized that the folks I was hanging out with, they're the minority. Like they're a small group. The majority of people are like aren't too bad. Like they're pretty pretty friendly, and they may not I may not have the same interest as them. But I'm not gonna look over and like oh they're a like all they do is work out, drink, and party. I'm like okay, well. Maybe they do that, but I don't know. They're probably, they could still be a good person. Just not my style. Like I go out, like I work out a little bit and I, I drink, I don't really party a whole lot, but yeah. So I think I've also learned to be less judgmental, which getting away from that old group of people I would hang out with, they were very judgmental, just very like negative with everyone. Now when I go out, I'm like, oh, no, that person's just living their happy life. I can't judge them for that. Like there is... So I've gotten more, I think I'm more open to meeting 
people I normally would not. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I think it does. Now, is there anything else that you would like to share with the listeners before I start to wrap things up? Ooh, I don't know. I don't think so. Like I say, this is really fun, Sarah. And thank you for having me come on as a guest. So it was good to good to chat with you. And you definitely have, yeah, yeah, you asked really good questions. And it made it's made me think a lot about my life and my past. And it's kind of given me a, a good nostalgic moment, but also realized like through all of this, I have I've got a I'm still continuing on my journey. So hopefully like things keep improving. And uh, yeah, it was a good experience. So thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. And as you know, like when I started for this podcast, like, yes, it's to learn about other people, learn about other lifestyles. But then there's also that bit of introspective, like different sort of things when I talk to people, how can their stories relate back to me? And obviously, like we are friends outside of this. So I know things <laughs> and, you know, it's it's been yep. great. So at the end of all my episodes, I do ask everyone a random question different for each episode. So my question for you is, what is your most useless talent? Oh, useless talent? Mm -hmm. Oh, so my mundane superpower is packing, but that's actually pretty useful. My useless talent. Oh, I can snap without my thumb. Like, or kind of. I have to like, like here, see, <laughs> that's it. I'm not going to save the world with that. Mother Teresa may be, may be jealous, but it's not going to do anything for the world. <laughs> yeah, that's why my most useless talent. All right, that brings this episode to a close. I will be leaving a link in the description for a resource that John has provided from one of his scouting cohorts, Mike, um, about coming out in scouting and kind of those sort of things uh, along with history. He's got a book coming out, so that website will be there. It's um, morally straight. So feel free to go check that out and look for more information. And if you'd like to connect with the podcast, our website is in the description as well. That brings you to all of our past episodes, all past links that guests have provided, and all of our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, my email is in the description, so feel free to reach out to me. And if you'd like to support the podcast monetarily, via a one-time or recurring donation, you can do that as well. There is a link in the description. So thank you so much, John, for spending time with me today and to my listeners for taking the time out of your day to hear a new story. Until next time, bye. All right, goodbye.